Welcome back to Word 2 Literary. I'm your host, Kenny. And I'm Jonathan. And we're back with more cyberpunk edge runners. That's right, we're following up to the episodes 5 through 10 of the remainder of season 1 of the 2022 series, Cyberpunk Edge Runners. So we're picking up on episode 5, which is called All Eyes on Me. And in this episode, we've established that David is there for Lucy. He is very much about helping her achieve her dream of making it to the moon. And we also see him more take a role underneath Maine as what would essentially be like a protege to the leader of the Edge Runners right now. And this episode went for finding more out about Tanaka from Arasaka Corporation, which he was the particular executive that was trying or that wanted David to get back into the academy so that they could basically make him their guinea pig and study the fact that he could use the uh, chrome that he had installed earlier on so well with very minimal, seemingly backlash from what most users of that kind of hardware would end up suffering from. And that's where this one kind of takes a, an interesting turn into a very, I wasn't expecting it kind of space like we're dealing with a celebrity who i guess is extremely special about the types of brain dances that he produces correct he does a special clientele with these brain dances like you pay a lot for him he's making the kind of stuff that's probably illegal to a certain extent they explain it as i think they're disabling like pain inhibitor chips and stuff like that so Whatever you're feeling is just raw emotion. It's really supposed to take you to the edge. And yeah. a little further callback, Tanaka is the father of this kid that David just beat the shit out of in like episode what two or end of episode one. Yeah, I believe it was like either it was either towards the end of the epi first episode or it was part of the second episode. David gets picked on by that that one classmate that ends up beating him up before he ends up taking on the. Do they call it a? The Svedstan, it was a hard name to pronounce, but it was the type of military grade hardware that that he installed on himself that gave him the ability oh, to just take him on. You're talking about David's Chrome, his Chrome. His yeah, cyberware. Sandivstan, I think. Sandivstan. It's like I said, Sandivstan. Sandivstan, I think. I don't know. It, it's a tough word to pronounce, but it is it's, it, because it's a bullshit made up word. True. And anyway, we see the crew go after this particular individual known as JK. I think his name was Jimmy Kurosaki. And he was a famous brain dance director that, like you said, made these very visceral, raw brain dances that apparently Tanaka's into and wants to purchase some. So they take it as an opportunity to try and ambush Tanaka. And it goes in... Not a direction that I would say was unexpected, but one that was still very interesting to watch unfold. Yeah, you're talking about when they try to capture him and the creepy back guys, like it's your mom watching you just kind of open up and he takes them out. Yeah, he outwits them. That was something that I felt like uh, it was present through the rest of the series from this particular point is that they have a way to use some sort of signal method of causing others to short circuit more or less like you the cue that we see on screen is that of 
the character smoking from the head, ear, neck area, as if all of a sudden you hear a pop and you short circuit and smoke. And then they collapse, they are incapacitated, and you'd think that would be enough, but it's almost as if somebody just got punched really hard and was maybe going to get knocked out from it and recover shortly. Well, and it, it's funny you call it short circuit because it probably is the quick hack from the game called short circuit, which I believe in this episode, Lucy performed that towards the end of the episode on some drones that were attacking. That's right. That it, Yep, that's right. So basically the sum up on the episode is that JK captures David and flees and then tries his best after discovering the cyberware that David has to force him through these traumatic brain dances in order to try and induce cyberpsychosis. But he doesn't get the opportunity to because, of course, Lucy and Dorio come through and save him. And then they deal with a little bit more of JK's shenanigans of trying to weasel his way out they manage to keep him at bay and then as you mentioned lucy disables jk's apparently like very threatening drones that really don't even get a chance to show it off at all and they take him out before it becomes a problem and then it's a couple minutes of a tense scene i'd say i mean they are attacking the drones and yeah david with his send of a stand Cyberware is able to like avoid the attacks and draw their attention, but there's not much they can do while they're trying to buy time for Lucy to be able to disable them. And you, because you said that, it just reminded me too that they started to later refer to it in the series as a Sandy. And so I think I'll do that going forward. <laughs> Let's just call it a Sandy. What, you don't want to keep saying Sandivistan? I don't. <laughs> Let's try Sandivistan. Now that you're saying yeah. San, Sandivistan... It's okay. That's easier to say it than before, but I'm just going to go with Sandy. Whatever. David no, activates no, 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 a Sandy. Stand. <laughs> See, you said that. I said Sandy. It was easier for me to say Sandy. But <laughs> right, right, you, you can yeah. say Sandy. I'll go Sandy with Sand until I slip up a few times and I'll go with Sandy as well. Fair enough. So from there, they managed to use JK to some to bring Tanaka in and then they capture Tanaka and, and JK doesn't make it. But David's, oh, there's a chance that this cyber psychosis thing is still going to happen to me, even though I feel like I'm special. And that that's where that episode wraps. And it was a well-rounded push forward to help you see where the setup of the story is going, I feel. Yeah, you're really getting the sense that David's starting to get a little full of himself really thinks he's special and there is something special about the fact that he's using this sandivistan with a plume almost like he is constantly utilizing it doesn't seem to be suffering any effects but realistically we're, we're one episode away from then heading into the back half of the season where shit just goes south and when he says that shit goes south that's not an exaggeration this story really sets itself up for you to understand that a future dystopia like this is just filled with sadness. <laughs> sadness uh, and pain. Which is where we lead into episode six, Girl on Fire. And we're quickly shown that Maine is struggling. He is starting to feel the effects of all of the cyberware that he has implanted in him. To the point of where he is starting to develop signs of cyberpsychosis, 
And I'll tell you straight up that I wasn't expecting it. I wasn't thinking that the crew that already existed was any more chromed out than was necessary and that they would actually start to go through some of these experiences as well. And it sets the tone that it's like, after a certain point, you lose touch with your humanity because there's so much of you that's cyberware. And when you lose touch with your humanity, you probably really start to lose track of your train of thought, your emotions, and you black out, you might hallucinate. And that's the implication that we get because even still at this point of the series, they're not handholding us as they explain things to us. They're not spoon feeding us the information. They're letting us experience it and figure it out as we go. And they make it not necessarily so obvious again that it's like spoon feeding, but it's at least obvious enough in a common sense way where, oh, I can see that this is an ailment. This is something that's not good for the human body to endure. And so it ends up coming up to a point where he actually does lose touch for a moment and he causes some serious damage while I believe it was Kiwi who was trying to do some hacking into Tanaka's mind because at this point Tanaka has been captured. They have him tied up and sedated and they're essentially attached matrix style from head to head, breaking down his mind firewall, if you will, to gather the information that they need from him. And during that main ends up attacking Kiwi without realizing because he's going through it and causes her to end up being super injured not dead just very hurt he rips her like face mask off which i thought at first was just a, like a cool visual 2077 air filter but no nope. that comes off and she is now missing like half her jaw yeah like her reminds me of mortal Kombat. it reminds me of scorpion or sub-zero's face mask except the mask is actually the lower part of her face, okay? When he hits her in the face and it knocks that off, you literally see into her gaping lack of mouth. It's yeah. weird, to say the least. It was, yeah. It was fun. It was, int- it was cool to see the way it interfaces with the human body. Yeah, it was definitely interesting to understand. I, it makes you wonder a little bit more about her backstory as far as what kind of happened with her that she ended up to the point of where she's got the level of cyberware that she does. Yeah. Well, I think that's something we'll probably get into later. I'd say one of the big things I would change to how I would do this would be to get to know some of these characters and their motivation more. I would say that I did not feel strongly connected to a lot of them because there's just not a lot there. You don't know where they came from or why they're doing what they do. You don't understand that most of these characters, they do have a history, a deep one enough that there's a lot more to be told, but they're not giving up all that information. They're just letting some of it be implied. Lucy has a history that we find out later with Arasaka Corporation to begin with. David and Lucy are the only developed characters with like motivation. Yes. Like you said, as we get further into the series, we learn how Lucy became who she is, how her, what her upbringing was, and what she's gone through to get to this point in her life. And obviously with David, we 
saw that develop on screen. And the beginning of this episode, I thought we were going to start getting that about some of the characters. Like we see what I'm assuming is a young Maine just running down an empty like road in the middle of uh, the Badlands, young and fit, but much smaller physical frame than he currently has. And this is a repeat occurrence throughout the episode of him being this younger self of himself, younger version of himself before he, the end. But we don't get it developed any more further than that. And it, it definitely feels like a bit of a letdown. Like, I'm really curious, like, how he goes from running either for exercise purpose or running from something out in the middle of the desert to being this hulking bruiser in Night City. So after he ends up in unintentionally attacking Kiwi, they stabilize Kiwi and then determine that Lucy's the only other one who can really do the net running that she was doing. It was net running, right? I don't know. I think it's more of a uh, hacking. Like she's trying to hack into Nanaka's mind. Right. Into a cypherware. And to download that information, Lucy's obviously Maine can't be present because if Maine's there, he could end up hurting me like he hurt Kiwi. And so they agree to let David oversee the process of Lucy doing the hacking. And they get him or they get her set up with a direct link to Tanaka. And then they start going through that. And during that interaction, this is. It was interesting to see David's hesitance when Tanaka started coming to, because this whole process really requires the victim, if you will, to be sedated. And if they wake up, it gives them kind of an opportunity to regain their mental faculties enough to stop that, that hacking process from being completed. And then Tanaka basically starts trying to convince David to let him go. And David has a lot of empathy about that, thinking about the idea of being, he starts to humor the idea and well, really thinks it through. And part of that is Tanaka, like alluding to, I think David, like specialness and what he's trying to help David with and give him versus how the crew is just using him and he'd be better off. And it just kind of speaks to this, like part of him that thinks he's special to me. That's what it seemed like it except toward the end of it he mentions that he knows david's face he knows who he is obviously based on the academy stuff but he's also seen all of his friends and really puts david into a position where he has to make the decision of do i go with tanaka and continue on that ladder while being a guinea pig or do i save my friends who are clearly in trouble regardless of this guy's survival and david makes the what I would consider an obvious choice of not going with Tanaka and letting the whole process continue. Well, as he continues to hesitate, Tanaka's implants short out and it almost kills Lucy, but they manage to get her disconnected before it actually becomes a problem, but not before it results in Tanaka's neural implants sending out a signal to the trauma team where at that point they have to escape. And then this leading up to that main and Dorio are in another area dealing with the fact that Maine is starting to go through another episode of cyber psychosis. And there's big concern about whether or not he's about to bust in and stop the whole Tanaka thing. 
And then when it happens, he seems well enough in control, but then it starts to fade again. And it's really this back and forth that basically tells you that in this episode, there is a good chance that Maine is not going to be able to control it before things wrap, or it's going to lead to a cliffhanger. And I would say it has an ending. Like the whole episode is watching Maine lose his shit. The cyber psychosis has taken hold of him. He's got so many implants that he's losing sense of self, which yeah, leads to his attack on Kiwi. And it leads to a pretty epic, but gory battle in which trauma team and max tech and the NCPD show up to take on the crew and David and Lucy managed to get out, but Maine and Dorio are left behind trying to just slow down the authority so they can get away. Dorio ends up giving her life for Maine and Maine is wielding Tanaka first, like a body gray, wheels like a backpack, like a bulletproof vest because he's strapped to his chest. Oh, that's true. Yep. But then he's had enough and he is like using him like a punching bag to assault people. Oh, it's so bad. It is gory. There is just guts flying everywhere. And it was badass to watch. (laughs) But in in the end, David can't leave Maine behind. Like he's become, they become families, almost like a standard father figure. So he risks it to go back and save him only for Maine to send him away. It's not the right thing. He needs to go get Lucy out of there, protect her. Maine is too far gone to come back, so he's just going to go out with a bang. And I was just going to say that with Dario having tried to help, but ultimately ended up getting in the way at the wrong moment and resulting in her, in her death, that was Maine's gal. And- it was, and I wouldn't even say she got in the way. I think she sacrificed herself to try and save Maine. Yeah, she was trying to protect him, and she died in the process of doing so. At which point, that was, in my opinion, a story note that says Maine's got nothing else to live for. He's ready to give it up for the sake of the crew and and be okay with the fact that this is his path. This is his end. And like you said, he chooses to go out with a bang, quite literally. Yes. With Dorio's body, like, on a funeral pyre, almost. And here's the kicker. Here's the thing that we didn't mention earlier on. There was a bit of dialogue at the very beginning of this episode where David comes up to Maine and sees him shaking a little bit, like his hands are shaking. And he tells David and him have a dialogue that goes back and forth about his hands, his arms, these cyberware arms that he's got, and that David has his eyes on him. The whole point being that they have this kind of funny interaction where David suggests that if Maine ever doesn't make it, that he has claim to his arms. And by the end of the episode, after Maine blows himself up, David manages to escape using a Sandy because he's fast using it, that he gets back to the car. Lucy is relieved to see him alive and David's panting and quiet And in his hands are Maine's arms. And the thing he said to Maine in the beginning was, I'm going to hold you to it when Maine said that the arms are all yours, kid. And sure enough, he took them with him. 
And so now the arms are his. So, yeah, I mean, there was some good foreshadowing in the beginning of the episode about that. And for them to end with, it was amusing, but also a bit heartbreaking. But it was a good cap to what I would consider the first arc of the season. It's David's growth as he loses his mom and falls in with these edge runners, becomes part of this crew and this family and takes on more responsibilities as he becomes an integral member. And then we go into episode seven, uh, which is titled Stronger. And it's several months later, and now David is the leader of the crew. So it's an interesting little split through the rest of the season is David's deterioration and the cyberpsychosis has taken hold of him. With Maine dead and Dorio, it's down to him, Kiwi, Falco, and Rebecca. They're doing what they can. They're making a name for themselves. We see that they're not, they're no longer in these knockoff shitty apartments they're in a really nice like penthouse suite almost it looks like yeah very elegant yeah david's living with lucy she is not part of the group but there's still a connection there and david wants her to come back but she's trying to deal with something and isn't cluing him in and david again is just not doing well he's not sleeping at night you see his hands twitching you see all the telltale signs that we saw a lot of in maine in the last episode Yeah, they pick up on that kind of quick. They start to give off the implication that David's starting to succumb to his cyberware and that maybe he should slow down a little bit, but he still very much thinks that he is unique beyond that of those who have considered themselves unique before. And that's the foreshadowing that we get for the last arc of this series is that David's going to go through it. And at this point, David is no longer this, I wouldn't say scrawny, small frame young man. He is bulky and huge. He looks like Maine, just not quite as big. Not quite as big. Correct. And he's got Maine's gorilla arms attached. His body is bulked out. And I don't remember which point it is in this last back half of the season, but essentially how much organic matter he has left. And it is not much like his legs seem to be cyberware his arms most of his torso it's really just like his head at this point so it shows you how far he's gone down this rabbit hole and it's played off almost like an addiction as you get more you want more because it makes you feel better about yourself it makes you stronger faster and you just you can't give it up Yeah, in a less radical sense, I would say that it's similar to those that I've spoken with about tattoos. There's a handful of people I've known in my life that once they started getting tattoos, they really enjoyed the experience and they wanted more. And in the same sense, I feel like that's how the cyberware seems to be, is it's like a tattoo where once you get one, you're like, eh, what's a few more? And it just keeps escalating from there. But fortunately, tattoos don't result in tattoo psychosis. Yeah, yeah. You don't find yourself at the end going, oh, I've lost all humanity. And yeah. So stronger. This episode really goes into the figuring out what what happened with Tanaka. They are clearly successful edge runners at this point. And Faraday comes back into the mix with a job offer from Militech that's against Arasaka to recover the data that main didn't have a chance to finish out the last job for. And so Faraday 
is also wanting David to try and bring Lucy back into the mix. There's just the expected crew elements going on. Get the crew members all back together so that they're all working as a fully cohesive functional unit and finish off the job that that Maine needs to finish off. But as that unfolds and David makes his attempt to try and re-recruit Lucy, she gives him a little teensy tiny amount of backstory on her just to give a little more you say little and i'd say it's like to me it was a good amount i just it helps us understand where she's coming from what sure. she's been through like that other than david this is the most backstory we get out of anyone that i would consider main characters in the series the fair point it's interesting she was she was raised by arasaka to be a net runner to hack the old net. Here we get a little world building in which at some point in the past, what we would think of as like web 2.0 or 3.0 existed. And a hacker was able to disable like 86% of the world's internet and bring it crashing down along with its data. Yeah. Which is all lost out there. And the little, the weird thing to me is the inexplicable reason that, Oh, this is like really valuable data. So it's worth it to make a bunch of child hackers. You can go out there and retrieve it, but apparently it's super dangerous. There's rogue AI and malware out there that just starts killing them. And if you think about that's a really nice touch to the storytelling of the world building that you were just talking about, right? Imagine that you reach a stage in the future where you can essentially jack into the internet and obviously very reminiscent of matrix right but we see that you can manifest in the internet and then ai something that we're very much trying to utilize frequently today in in all sorts of forms is something that's actually a very real threat to humans creepy thought creepy element to add to this and we eventually learned that Lucy escaped, obviously, but she is also very skilled at what she does and recognized that some of the information that was in Tanaka's head involved David being a prime candidate for testing out, I think it was called a cyber skeleton. Yes, it is a cyber skeleton. This, I would, I guess, think of it as a skeleton, but it's a pretty piece of impressive hardware that we see come into play later in episode nine and it's pretty cool one of the weird things is yeah david is does turn out to be special in the sense that he is using the sandevistan much more often than most people should and he's doing well with it not having issues so they think he would be a good candidate for the cyber skeleton but no explanation of why no little bit of world building of is it genetics is it pure willpower that allows him to do this maybe there'll be a season two taking place somewhere else that might explain some of that but it's one of those things that might like just a little bit of extra world building it would have been nice maybe not necessary maybe it would be too much hand-holding but i feel like it definitely lends itself to the story and would have been helpful to have that piece agreed and the episode wraps up with lucy killing an arasaka agent who's apparently out investigating that missing data that data that suggests this test subject that was david and 
that gives a little bit of the impression, at least to me, it gave me a clue as to what Lucy's been up to, which is probably finding and stopping each one of these agent investigators. Now, I don't think they explicitly say it anywhere during later episodes, but I feel like it's really well implied. That's what she's been more focused on than being with the crew. Yeah, I would agree. She's been very distracted. And truthfully, she explains it pretty well. She's not, she used to be worried about herself, nobody else. But now she's worried about David. She cares about him and is doing everything she can to protect him. So that's why she's focusing on trying to eliminate any of these agents that are trying to find him and find any of the data they can about him. And then we jump right into episode eight. And that episode was titled Stay. This one really leans in to David showing signs of cyber psychosis. He ends up murdering a lab director at the Arasaka Labs and blacks out and ends up also killing another. David straight up, admittedly probably in the middle of a psychotic break, just blows a innocent woman's head apart. Somebody who we're shown is trying to leave work so she can go celebrate with her son, who has gotten into Arasaka Academy. So the same great. place that David had been going to. So it's a mirror of David and his own mom. Yeah. We're, we're shown like throughout the episode that David heard that and he connects with that story and connects this woman with his own mom. And it's just kind of heart wrenching that he murders her. Like, he's killed a lot of people in the series. They've killed a lot of people in general, all of them. But here is somebody who has done nothing other than she works for Arasaka. Well, and probably working hard to just try and put her son through school and give him a better chance. Yeah, and I'll also just throw in there that although I appreciated the aesthetic of this entire show, the guns were obviously far more powerful than they needed to be. Because in any typical showing of violence, uh, gun violence on a regular non-animated TV show, you get a bullet in the head, you see a hole. It's not usually like too crazy gruesome. It's just a hole and it bleeds and they die. In most instances of cyberpunk edge runners, every time somebody gets shot in the head, it's just like a gory mess that's left behind. <laughs> oh, yeah. I imagine it that is. can happen. Ooh. It's just an explosion of visceral bits and blood and gore. And you're just you know, like, everything okay. is like the largest caliber bullet ever. I get it. They're dead. And that gun is big. <laughs> but this is where we start to see David decline a bit. And they continue on their job, their mission to gather the information that Faraday asked for. But... It just keeps going south. Yeah. The, this whole, the tone of the series is dystopian. Like everything goes south. There is no solid payout for anybody. As it is, by the end, barely anyone survives. Yep. So after, after David has his whole interaction with the Arasaka lab and we see this unfortunate mess that occurs, they leave... So Arasaka picks up on something's up and they believe Militech's involved and arrange an assassination of Faraday, which which doesn't go according to plan. But with Militech 
now refusing to provide protection to Faraday because of the lack of information on Arasaka's cyberskeleton, he he decides to double cross and goes to Arasaka instead. They forgive Faraday basically for Tanaka's death so long as he can provide them with the Netrunner who is hiding the information that that they want. And at this point, we're now concerned for Lucy because she's the one that's doing all this and David's caught in the middle of it. Yeah, David's also feeling like a little isolated from Lucy. It leads to this scene where like he's trying to recruit her, but she's so insistent there's something that she has to take care of that he feels like maybe they just need to break him and go separate ways. Like she's got something more important than him and he just wants to let her go to go deal with that not realizing that what she's doing is for him she's trying to do all this stuff for him but he's going through these mood swings he's dealing with the cyber psychosis just prior to them having this whole starting to break down of their relationship they end up at the do- ripper dock to sedate and fix the fact that he's starting to lose it and he ends up getting these way way too strong meds that come into play later to help their the immunoblockers and when he gets these immunoblockers from the dock, it's like the dock basically foreshadows for the viewer that this is once you do this, David, you're not coming back from it. Understand that if you use these immunoblockers, you're done. And so this is where Lucy's concerns all coming from. And she's still trying to take care of the back end problem so that they can so that she can hopefully slow David down and prevent that outcome from coming to be well after the subtle attempt at breaking up and her telling david to just give her a little more time and to hang on she realizes that there's another attempt at the data that that she has and so she goes after the lead only to find out that it's a trap and that is where we caught the probably the biggest twist of the series so far yes something uh did definitely did not see this coming. No, nope. maybe there's some foreshadowing that I missed, but it was a surprise. If you if we think back to if we think back to what happened with Maine, I can see a little glimpse of reasoning here. But at this point, David's the one leading the crew, so it's like, what did Kiwi have against him? Correct. And so back to the twist is that a trap has been set for Lucy. And it's sprung and it's Faraday and Kiwi behind it. Yep. And the one thing I will say is I believe it's the beginning of this episode or maybe an episode or two ago, Kiwi or Lucy talks about Kiwi being the one to bring her in and help her out. And she was adamant from the start to never trust anybody in Night City. And yep, lo and behold, Kiwi is definitely not somebody to trust in Night City. And it certainly sends that message at the end of this episode, which was just, it was great writing. I can't argue with that because I don't often get caught up in a twist. And this one actually got me. I was, it was, it was well played. Surprised, genuinely surprised. Yeah. I think F- we're like. going to go ahead and call it here and we will come back to wrap up episode nine and 10 of the series next week. Yeah. And then we'll, we'll pop it off with our, final thoughts and as well as any major or even minor changes that we might have done yeah like one of those one thing i think i would have liked to have seen was probably an extra episode or two probably two 
one for each kind of arc of the season to just flesh out some of the things. I think next week we'll definitely dive in some of that and just share what we think. Yeah, absolutely. Just to give you that that extra bit that we've been talking about where we want to wrap these things up with a little bit of how we might have done it because as much as I enjoyed this entire series and I will be sure to tell you more about that soon, there are some things that I'd probably change actually. There's at least a few different ways that I think this could have landed better. All right, and with that, I'll say thank you so much for joining us this week on We're Too Literary, where we're covering episodes five through eight of Cyberpunk Edge Runners. following next week with episodes nine and 10, just to wrap up the series. If you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever it is that you may be listening to this right now, just know that we appreciate you. We appreciate you a whole awful lot. We do. We thank you for <laughs> joining us every week been a lot of fun it really has and we're looking forward to producing more of this content for you guys so please leave us a review wherever it may be we'd love to get some feedback from you in the near future we will be having our website up and running along with an email address that will let you send in questions comments feedback whatever you're feeling so again thank you for listening to we're too literary and we'll catch you next week have a great week